and welcome to the Creative Christians Chat Show. I'm Brendan Conboy, the dog in the pod. This show is bursting with creative stories, ideas and inspiration with a Christian perspective. So let's get on with the show. And my guest today is Claire Musters. Uh, I don't even know where Claire lives. Where do you live, Claire? <laughs> I'm in, I'm in Su- Surrey, just outside London. Surrey, just outside London. That's uh, not far from me. I'm in, in Gloucestershire. Uh, and you're a church leader. Is that correct? I've got that bit right? I am, but that's what I was going to say for the thing that people don't know about me. So you've just stolen my answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't very often get church leaders on here. So it's great, <laughs> great to have a church leader. But you're also an author, a blogger, an editor. Uh, and, and you've published many books, haven't you? Yes, I have, yeah. yeah. So it's great to have you on the show today. And, well, thank um, you very much for inviting me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, we've had a couple of weeks uh, looking at um, create being creative in business, but we're going to drop back into a series that has, has been long running now, and that is being creative in brokenness. And, and not surprising, uh, there's a lot of people out there with brokenness and and if we're all honest uh, we've all got some sort of brokenness Um, but this is the creative christians chat show and it's interesting how i find so many people that have turned their brokenness into some form of creativity and 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 you've done that haven't you yes um wasn't my idea it was god's idea (laughs) um yeah and, (laughs) and actually um I think uh, the book that I really felt burdened to write, Taking Off the Mask, was probably about the most painful and broken part of my own journey. Um, And yeah, it is incredible how God seems to redeem, um, but also do something even bigger with with those parts of your life that actually you might just want to forget about. Um, So that's certainly been my experience, yes. Yes, mine as well. I think it's it's a lot of people's experience. Before we get stuck into more detail of, of, of your creativity, tell us how, what does it mean? To, I mean, you're a church leader. So what does that mean to be a Christian? Uh, and what does that look like for you? Yeah, well, I would say that um, being a Christian has been, well, it basically affects absolutely every single area of my life. Um, and I became a Christian when I was very young. I was eight. Um, I didn't fully really understand the decision that I'd made until my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point onwards, I would say um, that it's been my lifeblood. I mean, I've I lived growing up and beyond. Um, I had a, a mother who was incredibly ill. And so there was always that tension there. But there was always that um, I can't turn my back on my faith because that's actually what keeps me going. Um, so it's always very much been vital to me. Yeah, but that question of where is God in those yeah. moments of difficulties and struggles and... Yeah, particularly with a dad who wasn't and still isn't a Christian, those were the kind of questions that he was asking. And yeah, very painful, but it does force you to look at it for yourself as well. Yeah. yeah. There's always hope for your dad. My dad became a Christian yeah. two hours before he died. 
Wow. Well, my mum was was holding on to a promise that God had given her. Um, so we are now holding on to that promise. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So let's talk about a bit more about your life. You, you, you got married very young, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I had just turned twenty. My husband was twenty-one. Um, Same we'd grown as up me. together. Same. Oh, okay. I got married at twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'd uh, we'd grown up together from. Um, from my teenage years, um, yeah. so we were in the same youth group at at, um, at church, and then I went to university, and he followed me up um, and got a he got a job in the um, recording business in a recording studio, yeah. and we got married at the end the, the end of my second year of university. So yes, very young, but we knew we were meant to be together, but that did not mean it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I always say. Uh, I don't regret getting married at, at the age of 20, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I had a, an English tutor at university when he found out when, that I was getting married. Um, <laughs> he actually said to me, you're going to look back on this one day and say how foolish you were and how much you regretted it. I was so angry with him at the time. But I can see why people see that. And if they don't have God, um, he was he was a, a middle aged divorcee. He was quite bitter. But actually, yes. Um, it's not something that we particularly recommend unless you're absolutely sure. Um, but yeah, God has been in, in it with us um, yeah, and yeah. we've been through a lot of difficulties, but we're very grateful for his grace. Yeah. What have those difficulties looked like? Yeah, so um, my book, Taking Off the Mask, actually begins with our story. Um, so as I said, we got married, um, but by that point, Steve was already working in studios and worked around the clock. So I can remember my mum coming to me and saying, how are you going to cope with his hours? Um, and and I, I kind of shut her down, really, because I said, well, it's too late now. I fell in love with him before he got into the music business. Uh, but that was quite foolish. I mean, we didn't do marriage preparation classes because I would have been going by myself. He literally worked 24 seven yeah. um, pretty much every day of the week. Um, and and that went on like that for a long time. Uh, so at the first decade of our marriage, I was incredibly lonely. I would say probably once or twice a year, I'd have a complete meltdown and say, I just can't do this. And then we would pray about it. We would talk about it um, and couldn't really work, see a way forward. We didn't really think of anything else that he wanted to do or that he could do. He felt called to it. Um, and so we just kind of like got our heads down again um, and carried on. And so I was pretty miserable. I had times where I threw myself into work. I was working in a publishing company up in London as a book editor. Um, I did get stuck into church um, and we actually became part of a church plant, um, small group going to start a new church. But it was actually when I discovered um, somebody within the small group within that church plant that I was leading, um, I discovered that he was just as miserable in his marriage as I was and we connected emotionally. And when he said he was leaving and would I go too, I foolishly put my faith in him rather than in God and my marriage and I left. Um, but so that was when all... you say leaving, leaving where? My home, my husband, wow. my church, everything. Um, I don't know if I'd have had the guts to do it if I hadn't had that other person kind of telling me they were doing it. Um, yeah. But that's what happened. So it was a very public thing, obviously, because we were within the leadership team of that church. Um, 
but within two weeks that was all done god had just got on his case and told him to go back to his wife so there i was mm. completely left with like proverbial egg on my face that i i trusted this person look what's happened um and i was incredibly low um incredibly heartbroken because i yeah obviously felt rejected by that person um and i ended up at the what was interesting was the first person i called when that happened was steve and he dropped everything. He was in the middle of a recording session, just told the people what had happened and they said, just go. And um, he picked me up and moved me to my parents. And I, I stayed there for three months where I just wrestled. And I, I was coming up to 30 by that point. Right. And I was like, have I made a complete mess of my life? Have I lost everything? I was, I'd just been asked to write a series of Christian books that I can't do that now. So I've, I've lost my church, my husband, my home, um, my livelihoods. Um, so there was a, a lot of deep wrestling but my parents lived by the sea and I used to walk along the seafront and watch the massive crashes of waves and just felt how small and insignificant I was. But I felt God tell me how much he cared about me. And he could have really said, come on, Claire, you really have screwed up here. And of course, there was a lot of repentance to do. Of course, there was a lot of unpacking of hurt to do. Um, but he actually just showered me with his love and his affirmation. And it was from that point that I was then able to open my heart for his healing and his restoration. Just to stop um, you a moment, just for clarity, the person yeah. that, that tempted you yeah. to, to, to leave your husband, did you did you fall into an affair with that person? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, yeah. The, so it was quite a serious situation. Yeah. yeah. More, more serious than just packing your bags and leaving and going away. Yeah. You, you, you fell into a... a a relationship with another person yeah so, but god came into that situation and sorted it out pretty quick by the sounds of it yes it was um and it kind of was over before it began really uh, the problem was we'd got very emotionally attached yeah. um and so there was all of that to untangle and um but i think god spoke to steve very early on um and it said do you want to fight your marriage and he said yes and he actually led him to i don't know if you know francine river's book redeeming love yeah which is based on a novel based on the, the book of hosea um and he'd always thought it was all just like a bit of chick flip that i um that i like reading um yeah. and and he just he started reading and really felt god speak to him and say actually you are to woo her back and you are to be there for the long haul and it did take me a long time I think I had a lot of people saying to me, you need to go straight back. You've made a mistake. You just need to go back. Um, and then it wasn't until I had somebody who's actually um, the wife of the person who'd married us in the first place. She rang me up and she just listened to me and said, you've got so much hurt and so much pain that you need to work through and have healing from before you can even begin to think about whether you can make your marriage work. And we actually spent time with her and her husband as a couple and we did some um, healing ministry separately and together. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of that week, we recommitted, um, said our vows together just in front of those two. And it was really beautiful. Um, and obviously I moved back home, but that was the start of a long haul where we had to basically put into place all the foundations that we'd never had a chance to put into our marriage in the first place. Yeah. But it was hard work doing all that, but actually where we hadn't seen a way forward when Steve told his boss what had happened, 
um, they did. They made changes at the recording studio, which were unheard of. I mean, they 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 start late in the day and they work around the clock. Yeah, and when man. you've got a client who wants to produce an album, they get every single second out of you that they can. Yeah. Um, and yet, his, his studio boss, uh, the boss of the record company, said, "No, we'll shut the doors at eight p.m. every night," which was absolutely unheard of. And we were yeah. like, "Why did we not? Why did we not speak up before now? Things yeah. could have been so very different." And so God really changed that as well. Well, what about, I mean, how long did it take for Steve to come to a place of forgiveness? Um, I'd say pretty much instantaneously. But oh, that's, that's as God. <laughs> but as he says in our book, because since since Taking Off the Mask came out, um, uh, we actually wrote, it's now a year old, a book called Grace Filled Marriage. So it's, it's yeah. both of us in there um, talking and about the things that we've learned, as well as a lot of other people. But he says in that, that yes, he basically forgave straight away, but forgiveness is a daily choice. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a daily choice, um, whatever circumstances and situations we're in. So that's an ongoing thing. So he might have made the decision, but he had to, he had to walk it out every day. Yeah. I'm constantly... and, and the same, same for me, I'd say, because there was a yeah. lot of hurt and a lot of, um, he would say he was so complacent. And, um, and so there was a lot of things that he hadn't done I had to forgive him for it. I mean, obviously, I made the big public mistake, but actually, there's there's two sides to everything, and um, there were lots of things from both of us that we had to repent of and put new practices in place. So, yeah, wow. we, we both had to learn to forgive and still do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a constant thing, and, I, and I'm constantly telling people that as well. There's some Christians that think that forgiveness is a, a just a done deal, and that's it. But it's not. It is a daily thing. And, um, but as, as you can imagine as well, I mean, this is a, a part of my story, that sort of thing that you, wouldn't, you don't really like going around shouting about. No. Um, so I would say is probably my most shame-filled aspect of my life. And yet God has released me from that shame. And, and he asked me to write about it and talk about it. And the amount of people that we've had come up to us and say, thank you for being so honest about your struggles it's just something that we don't do in churches no and not enough and uh, it is that honesty uh, that 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 really changes other people's lives and the, and the things that that you've been through your experiences your pain and your struggles and suffering they're helping other people now isn't that incredible which is very humbling yeah yeah and that's why we put ourselves through. I mean, each time we do a podcast or write an article or speak to somebody or go and speak at a conference, it does bring it all back up. It, yeah, it might yeah. be redeemed, but it, you think, oh. and so once the actual writing process for Gracefield Marriage, I mean, it was three years on from writing, taking off the mask. It was like, wow, it feels weird bringing all this back up again. And there are still emotional things to work through. Yeah. And yet we've also got the joy of seeing what God does through it. Um, so it's tempered by that. But yeah. Wow. Let's move on to your, you mentioned your mother earlier uh, and and sadly she died, but that was a quite a, a long process and a painful process for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, I, and I'd say that um, the grieving process started many years before she died. I and mean, I think we had four Christmases that we were told by doctors, she's not going to make it past this Christmas. Wow. And yet she did. And part of it, she was hanging on. As I said, she's had a promise about dad's salvation. Yeah. And and I, at one point, my sister and I sat her down and said, look, you're hanging on to see that, aren't you? 
and she just nodded and she was in so much pain and we just said look you need to let that go it mm. might be us who sees the fruition of that let us take on that mantle um so yes uh we'd so we were actually part way through writing gracefield marriage and i was part way through writing a devotional on um disappointment and loss um, and when the publisher asked me to write that my heart just sank because i kind of knew what was coming yeah. and yes i was halfway through we'd actually just been to see um patrick and diane reagan from kintsugi hope yeah. we just interviewed them um for our marriage book and on the way back i got a phone call from my sister to say the hospice nurses say you need to get here now so we had to drop everything um and collect the kids from school grab some stuff and head down there and then actually it took my mum 10 days to go and be with jesus and in that time i sat next to her I read portions of scripture we sang over her read bits of books but I also finished that devotional as she was dying which was incredibly cathartic at the time when I look back on it now I think I don't know how I could write it because I think my my grief hit way after because she died a month before covid hit and then right. as you can imagine as church leaders we were thrust into a huge amount of stuff as soon as that happened and I was working super hard helping my husband um and so yeah I think my grief hit much much later um but it it actually felt like a real god thing as well i mean she had a lung disease she would have been absolutely petrified if she'd been here when covid was around and it meant that i was bringing out a book at a time where i mean we've all experienced so much loss um mm -hmm. in the last few years haven't we and it just it yeah. feels like a real gift to have been able to share some of what i've been through and just um and open it out a bit see the subject of disappointment and loss because we all face those and again I don't think it's something that as a society we're that great at talking about um but yes really really painful um and I still I'm still working through the grief of all that and I I'm sure I will I mean I mean I miss her every single day she was not only the person I was probably closest to apart from my husband she was also my proofreader until she got too ill to do it she was a huge champion for me um so i think she'd always wanted to be a writer and so she loved what i i was doing yeah. um and so yeah very painful but again god asked me to write about it yeah and if that had happened during covid time you wouldn't have been allowed to be there no and and again i had to work through the um i actually felt quite guilty about that at one point but like here am i i've had 10 days and and all these people who haven't had the chance to even see their relatives and say goodbye yeah. yeah i mean what a shocking time we've lived through yeah 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 nearly happened to me i was in intensive care during covid um, and my wife wasn't allowed in un until i got really really bad uh, and then they they let her in uh, well i just after i came off life support they let her in Um, but it was a, a special circumstance, and there must be so many people that yeah. um, that have gone through such great loss. Yeah. I mean, we all go through loss. We all we all face death. We all face bereavement. But it is that thing, like you said, that we we don't want to face it. We don't want to accept it. We we put it off we we shut it away it, it, in the backs of our minds it's never going to happen but then when it does yeah. Yeah. and i and i do think we try as a society i think we try and sanitize it um, and <laughs> and it's all like behind closed doors and yeah. i can remember years ago the publisher that i worked with 
um, she put forward a proposal to do a book on um, like death rituals and ceremonies from around the world. So just how different cultures um, cope with it, how they almost celebrate that passing of pa uh, passage um, yeah, as yeah. a society. And, and the, she was just told, no, it's too macabre. Nobody would want to read it. And yet it, it leaves us woefully unprepared. Um, as you think back into biblical times, um, I mean, it, people, they stayed living as a wider family and the family cared for their elderly parents until they died. And I mean, doing some personal care, my mum stayed at home and we had hospice nurses coming in twice a day. So we ended up doing a lot of personal care for her. And it is it is pretty gruelling up close. Yeah. Um, and watch somebody actually pass and it take a long time. Yeah. And nothing really prepares you for it because we just don't talk about it. We really don't. And and I think we like to get on to the next thing. What we're doing, we're far too busy as a as a culture as well. And it just doesn't give us the time to process and do things well yeah and that busyness doesn't give us the time to to grieve afterward that it's the pre preparation before and the grieving afterwards they are yeah, so important yeah. and we we need to give people the space for that yeah yeah definitely you're a creative person you your creativeness has come out of such brokenness what what advice could you give to somebody that is i mean you've given loads of advice in your books but what advice could you give now in a in a nutshell uh to somebody that is struggling with their own brokenness whatever it that may look like uh different people's brokenness seem at different levels and i always say that uh your giant is your giant whatever size it is uh, what what advice could you give to somebody to to become creative because creativity helps us in that brokenness yeah i would say dare to open it up to god um dare to voice it whatever that looks like for you be it um a just an anguished prayer be it writing it out um i, I think over I've been doing a lot of lamenting and obviously the Psalms are full of those, but I've been also writing a lot of ranty type things down and then taking them before God and then going on a walk and screwing them up into lots of little pieces and throwing them away and say, okay, I give that to you, God. It might be doing a painting. Um, I, our, our daughter's been struggling recently um, and she did the most incredible painting, really like dark, dark, um, just anguish and um, mm. self-portrait and that was just her expressing this is how I feel right now so however it is God gives us creativity as a gift and actually give yourself permission to use it as an outlet I mean Jesus wasn't afraid to show his emotions um, no. and if there is a if there's a way that you can creatively do that um, I would say just see see just take a step and see what he does with it yeah you mentioned Jesus there. His first miracle was pretty creative. You know, changing water into wine. How creative is that? <laughs> so, yeah, just do it, isn't it? That shouting out in anguish that, that you mentioned, that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. I, I was in a, a room of 5,000 people at a, a soul survivor type meeting at Naturally Supernatural, it was called. And uh, I just shouted out in anguish to God and he spoke back and he said, I want you to write. And uh, yeah, so yeah. shouting out in anguish and really, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong 
with doing that, I think some people, some Christians think, well, you can't lose your temper with God because he's God, you, you, you know. Yeah. And, and that, again, again, we try and sanitise him too. We do. Um, and, and also our meetings. And I think that's what's so difficult that actually we don't model it very well. Um, and uh, giving people that space and time. I mean, this all kind of came up for me um, when not long before my mum died, um, we had a young mum who had cancer and three small children and she died. And I gathered the worship team that was gonna be um, playing on the following Sunday. And just to pray things through, it was like, how do we lead the people? And realizing that we had no songs of lament. Everything mm. was just far too uppy and victorious. It's like, this is not where we're at right now. And actually, we need to have that expression. If you look, I mean, the Psalms, has got, there's so many laments in there, and they did yeah. them communally. They used to read them out, sing them out, shout them out communally. Yeah. What are we doing there? We're giving space. Because in a room on a Sunday morning, there are, not everybody is going to be feeling victorious. Not yeah. everyone is going to be full of sorrow. But you've got that whole wealth of emotion. And actually, each person needs to be invited to come before God honestly and we need to give that space for them so it's it's really wrestling with working out how you do that well yeah you mentioned the psalms and so many people have mentioned the psalms when we've been talking about brokenness mm. probably about 50 percent of the people that I've talked to about their brokenness have mentioned the psalms that's, so that's quite incredible, isn't it? The, the, yeah, and I think that was, I think actually I was asked to um, run a seminar on psalms and lament um, before my mum died. And that was actually really helpful for me to engage with it all and have that understanding. But I, I also think one of the, the other things that has really helped me is watching how Jesus responded to Mary and Martha when Lazarus yeah. died. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so uncomfortable to read that when he got word from them who were so good friends of his, our brother's dying, come quickly. He decided to stay longer. Yeah. Um, and you think, we obviously really understand why, because he was going to raise him from the dead, but they didn't know that. Just yeah. imagine how bewildered and confused they were. So to put yourself in their, um, in their shoes um, is quite interesting. But also how Jesus, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, when he came face to face with their pain and their grief, what did he do? He wept. Wept, yeah. Um, and it's just having that sense of he comes alongside us and weeps. He yeah. doesn't always um, save us out of our suffering. And that is the real paradox and the mystery, although we know that our suffering um, produces perseverance, character and hope, all those things that it says in the Bible verse. Um, but actually there are times when we think, why are you letting us go through this, Jesus? Uh, but actually even alongside all those questions, we know he's right there with us in the midst of it. And quite often he's weeping alongside us too. He doesn't stay far off and watch how we deal with stuff. He's right there with us in the mess. And I found that really comforting too. Absolutely. Yeah. We've talked about some big issues broken marriage and uh, bereavement uh, from a long-term health condition that's some some serious issues and, and and i i'm sure that anybody listening to this is going to relate to some of what we've we've said uh, but there's a lot more that you could say we haven't got time for that <laughs> um but People can grab hold of your books. You've mentioned two of them. Uh, yeah. There's there's other books as well. You've you've written books on on self development uh, and and some other uh, study books, Bible study books. So you're, yeah. and they're all on your website. 
which is tell us claire it's clairemusters.com and claire has got an i and an e so yeah yeah, they they can check them all out there um and i I also um i write regularly for woman alive and um christianity magazines and i actually write um twice a month for christian today's website as well so they can see me in plenty of different places (laughs) you're a busy person (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you for coming on today claire it's been thank you it's been a great conversation uh and i'm sure people will benefit from this i'm just going to pray with you pray for you before you you go lord thank you for claire's honesty and her vulnerability and lord it's in in that place of honesty and vulnerability is is where we come closer to you because you you are the one that supports us in our honesty and, and and in our vulnerability and i thank you for the support that you've given claire for the the guidance that you've given her and for the way that you've watched over her and lord even though she's gone through some difficult struggles and lord there's good that we can see good coming out of it and i, I pray lord for everything that she does for all the things she's already done lord those books that she's written i pray that they'll continue to to touch people's lives and, and in a positive way and i pray that you will continue to use her to speak positive stuff and, and support where people need that support and that loving comfort that comes from you through you come you you offer that support through claire it's it's not claire it's you doing it through her and i pray that you'll continue to do that now in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the creative christians chat show it's been great having you here with me today don't forget to share this podcast with your friends i'm brendan conboy and you can find me at brendanconboy.co.uk where you can buy me a cup of coffee if you like to support me and my creative work follow me also on facebook twitter instagram and youtube for now though God bless and goodbye.